When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, we're going to be talking about the Hells Angels. And I guess a lot of people are nervous about this because they are opening a clubhouse in a neighborhood. And this comes up all the damn time, okay? All the damn time a club puts a clubhouse in a neighborhood. The cops are out there gaslighting everybody to make sure that it doesn't happen or they make it miserable for them or they'll use zoning laws and stuff. Plus we're going to talk about the good stuff right here on insane throttle biker news, baby. Okay. What if I told you, that you're more safe in a neighborhood with a clubhouse than you are with a cop shop in the same location. You're probably going to say, Hollywood, you're crazy. You're a crazy man. But I'm not. It's been proven over and over and over again that neighborhoods that a clubhouse is put in Around the vicinity of the clubhouse, it's more safer. The neighbors trust the MC more than they do law enforcement. So does that upset law enforcement that's that's being done? I don't know. But they go out and gaslight everybody at the beginning, get them all scared, making the newspaper, if you will. And it's not necessary, not necessary at all. The whole point of a neighborhood is to feel safe, to be able to have your kids be able to ride their bicycles without having to worry about some freak grabbing them. It's just ridiculous that they do this stuff. And what's even worse is they go on the news they get they drum it up like some kind of Tasmanian devil, all this dust. That way it gets to see a city council meeting. Then they bring up zoning or the health department, and there was no reason to do it other than they don't like MCs. So we're going to talk about that right now. Now, it's going on in another country. But it is relative to what happens here in the United States as far as this law enforcement activity scaring people. So let's take a look at this one right here. Again, this is a different country, but it has a lot of relevance here. Hells Angels Motorcycle Club Open Clubhouse in Limerick. And this one right here, I believe, is in Ireland. My geography ain't the best here. 
Hells Angel Motorcycle Club has opened a clubhouse in uh, County uh, Limerick, the leader can reveal. It was or a uh, celebration was organized with dozens of bikers from Limerick and across Ireland. Uh, there I was right with my geography because I'm usually wrong with Australia and New Zealand. And boy, do they let me know that. And by the way, I'm, if it's hard to see me, I'm recording right after the show that we did with Mike Ball on Mike Ball's Insane Wheels with special guest Road Rage. Great conversation. Check it out. It was held at a location of their new clubhouse just off of N24. The arrival of the Hells Angels has caused concern among some of the locals in the wider Palace Green area. The leader understands that, uh, let's see, or Gardia in Limerick are aware of the Hells Angels arrival. It goes on to say with the membership over 6,467 chapters, it's actually charters, 59 country. It's the largest motorcycle club in the world. It goes on to say, look, I'm sure they are passionate about their Harley Davidsons and going for bike rides and whatnot, but you do read an awful lot in the press about them, which would make you uneasy. That was from a local and see, that's where the propaganda is, what I just said. They go into the press and start raising all kinds of hell, these cops. And this is what the locals see. Now, I, uh, I guess this is what they call the cops out there. I don't know. While Gardia are aware of the opening of the Hells Angel Clubhouse on the weekend before last, it was handled very differently to the official initiation of the Banditos in Limerick seven years ago, the gathering in 2016 was heavily policed. So by the local Gardea detectives and the region. So I guess it is caps. Now the Limerick leader contacted Hells Angel MC Ireland asking what their plans for the clubhouse are. And if they would like to allay the concern of some locals, but there was no response at the time to go in the press. Now, the leader also contacted a person who was familiar with the motorbike club scene and asked them about the Hells Angels. And they said they are sound. They took over an empty building and made a fine job of it. People are watching too much TV. Agree 1000% with this. 1000% percent it is ridiculous and you do watch too much tv start doing your own education check multiple sources that way you're not considered ignorant you're gonna be safer with that hell's angel clubhouse in your neighborhood or any biker clubhouse in your neighborhood look it up Anyway, let's go to this right here. Harleys against heroin riders roar against drug abuse for the 10th year. Good uh, stuff right here. Amelia, Ohio, the Har uh, Harleys against uh, heroin ride roared against drug abuse for the 10th year. Organized by members of the Dry Riders Clean and Sober Motorcycle Club. The club consisted of riders who have experienced addiction and are now sober. They are on a mission to spread awareness about addiction 
through events like this. All the proceeds from the ride go to the people and community struggling with addiction and organizations that support them. I'm telling you what, them uh, clean and sober clubs are real good clubs, man. They really are. They always lean on one another and help them through the hard times. Good stuff right there. Another good stuff is the Patriot Guard Riders on this one. And unfortunately, unfortunately, this has happened more than once. Look out for one another. Motorcycle Riders escort veteran without family to funeral in Bourne. A group of motorcycles recently, our riders recently came together to escort a veteran without any family to his funeral in Bourne, Massachusetts. And this does happen a lot with the Vietnam vets. The Vietnam War veteran whose identity has not been disclosed passed away without any immediate family members to attend his funeral. Upon learning about this, a local motorcycle club called the Patriot Riders decided to step in and ensure that he received a proper send-off. The Patriot Riders, known for their support of veterans, organized a procession that included a dozen of motorcycles. They rode from the funeral home to Massachusetts National Cemetery, where the veteran was laid to rest. The gesture by the Patriot Riders was not only a tribute to the fallen veteran, but also a reminder of the importance of looking out for one another, in a time when many people may feel isolated and alone, this act can, uh, serves as kindness, as a powerful example of the impact the community can have when they come together. Beautiful stuff right there, Patriot Riders. And like I said, it is disappointing that veterans are just laid to rest with no funerals or nobody attending them or put in cemeteries where nobody knows them. This happens a lot with the homeless vets. We got to get it together, man. We really got to get it together. Help our veterans, will you? Come on, instead of sending billions overseas, Spend them billions on our people. Second half of the show right now, you to get over on Motorcycle Madhouse, the YouTube channel, or on the radio station, MotorcycleMadhouse.com live. China Dow is going to be coming in. We're going to be talking about the cycle of violence in Chicago. What can be do, uh, done about it? And we might have a special guest who's from Chicago on the show. Rock on, baby. Get on over there. Check it out. Join the Insane Throttle Members Only Club on YouTube or Spotify and receive exclusive content. Your membership in the Throttle Club helps keep the show going strong. Well, is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't give the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. 
Introducing the all-new service from Insane Throttle Motorcycle Madhouse Radio. 24-7 and nothing but the best in 80s till today. Rock and metal, baby. And here's an added bonus. You can now listen to Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Show with Hollywood and China now live on the air. Go to MotorcycleMadhouse.com and bookmark the radio station and get down with the King of Biker Radio.
this life on the edge is the way that yogi life no fun if i can't do a hundred through the light probably be the only way that i can live and feel alive What's up this Monday, everybody? It's a rainy freaking day to hear. It's just so depressing when you wake up and do a show and it's raining out. Then you have to look at China now. Then your day goes even worse. It's like, dude, I get like a double whammy all the time. I have to keep myself amused. I really do. I got to amuse myself when it is Monday. And what's funny is we do the show at 8.15 a.m. Central Standard Time. So when I walk up, I go, I have a cigarette in China's room. She's over there snoring as usual. (laughs) And I I have to amuse myself. So this morning, I was doing spitballs. And I was just throwing them at her, hitting her in the face and stuff, hoping she opened her mouth. I was going to throw a freaking spitball in her mouth and stuff. It's true, ain't it? I was throwing spitballs this morning. Yeah, you were. What the hell? I had to amuse myself. I was bored. (coughs) And here you are snoring away. You know, for somebody that's little, you surely snore a lot. (laughs) I don't believe you. You said you were going to record it. I don't think I do. You know what? I think I'm going to record it now. All right, good. And then I'm going to put it up right here on the show. Okay. Okay. And everybody can see (laughs) what the hell I was talking about. Today, we got cycle of violence coming up in Chicago. Sad state of affairs. How we might be able to end it. But, you know, yesterday on the Mike or the Hollywood and Mike show, I showed how you get pissed off at me on the show. (laughs) Right after. And I'm not kidding, man. She does it. She gets pissed off at me here. Hmm. So I figured, you know, I put another one on. And when she did this one, she wasn't imagining me as a hitchhiker. But this is how she looks at me. Just picked up a hitchhiker and he seemed like a nice guy. And after a couple minutes, he said, aren't you worried that I might be a serial killer? And I was like, no, no, the chances of two serial killers being in the same car. Blood on the face. That is what she envisions and wants Hollywood. She does. It happens. It happens. And then she was making fun of me because you know how I am. I am a man and I believe in blowing and go. I want to get my rock off and get the hell out of there. So after she leave, after I leave, here's what she's saying. What are you doing? Fucking nothing. (laughs) <laughs> fucking nothing okay that's what it's like in bed with you is that what you, well, that's what happens <laughs> my goodness gracious you either want to kill me or you fuck nothing <laughs> well <laughs> that's kind of like mike ball he fucks a fence fucking nothing i think mike did good yesterday didn't he <laughs> okay He did good yesterday, and I think he was a little traumatized for being on the madhouse on Friday. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Mikey, for standing in for me on Friday. (laughs) I watched the whole thing and was laughing. It hit. It it, it really does. So you do you ever dream of killing me? Now, let's be honest. Do you dream of killing me? Do you ever have a feeling that you're like floating in the air? That's me pushing you off a cliff. 
What a bitch. Just say it. Why would you want to kill Hollywood? <laughs> your Why life not? your life would be so boring. It could happen. What do you mean it could happen? I could push you off a cliff. Is it because I run around and say I'm going to give you an anal colon cleanse and you every day and you never bend over? No, no, thank you. Get out. Just get out. I seen that one meme, or no, it wasn't a meme. It was a TikTok of a broad, and she wouldn't bend over anywhere near her husband. I guess she's been getting it in a poop shoot. I don't bend over anywhere near you because you stare at my booty, and then you're all like, "Hmm, uh, hmm that looks good," and I'm like, "No." No. So most women do that with their men. Yeah, unless they like that kind of thing. Not a lot of women like that stuff. See, you got to really, really try to connive them by just saying it's going to get the tip in there. Y'all are liars. What do you mean we're liars? It's just going to be the tip. Next thing you know, you got the whole rod in there. You're such a liar. It's never just the tip. I do. I feel for you women sometimes. No, you don't. Yeah, I do feel no, for you, you women. No, you don't. You lie. No, you don't. Because us men are freaking animals with you. You're terrible. You have a hard existence, you women. And you're lucky we all, you know, procreate and stuff. The hell does that mean? Because we can't deal with you most of the times. So we'd rather just have a toy. Well, I tell you one thing. Uh, this is very funny. I did not know this about Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> Didn't know. I guess his letters uh, came out. <laughs> he, well, did, in a sense, he kind of came out. Right? He did not want these out. Oops. But he got. they're out. They're released. They are. I guess the former president... Barack Hussein Obama used to what? Oh, blah, blah. Used to what? He used to fantasize <laughs> about sleeping with another man. Yes, he did. This is true story. This ain't Hollywood say this is out of Barack Hussein Obama's mouth. Yes, it is. Well, heck, technically he was writing. a Tinkerbell. Meant just in his mind. Now it gives me more ammunition to think Michelle Obama <laughs> is a trans dude. <laughs> Can we say that she? it's a trans? Kind of has an Adam's apple. I bet that thing has a pecker. Because Barack Hussein Obama was fantasizing about sleeping with a dude. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have his letter here. Read the letter. <laughs> you have to read the letter. Okay, hold on. Here we go. No, actually, he was from Hawaii first <laughs> uh, there, Jason. But go ahead. Read his letter. Hold on. My computer's being weird. I'm scrolling down to get to it. You should be prepared for this kind of stuff. Well, I didn't know we were going to actually talk about it. What do you, How do you think I'm not going to talk about something like that? I thought you were just sending it to me for, like, my own reading. Yeah, not so everything you know. I do is freaking for the show newsworthy. <laughs> oh, this is technically news. Everything is newsworthy for me. According to a portion of a 1982 letter, which was obtained by the New York Post, Obama told his you gotta ex, love the New York Post. I do. Obama told his ex he thought about making love to men daily but in the imagination, end quote. Do you think he did it? 
<laughs> you can't tell me this was his imagination. I think he did it. You think he had gay sex? I don't know. Well, give me your opinion. What do you think? <sighs> yeah, I think so. I do. What's your gaydar tell you about him? <laughs> I don't want to look at him long enough because he's very ugly. Uh-huh. So it's going to be ugly sex. Ugly sex? What the hell is ugly sex? Well, I put a bag on his head. Oh, oh. Hey, would that help me to go a little longer with you? Put a bag on your head? Oh, I'm ugly? I'm just asking. You, you, you talk about, you know, anonymous sex. Would you consider that anonymous sex? <laughs> you don't see their face. You still got to look at the rest of them. So how anonymous is it? You know what would be fucked up? This would really be fucked you up. You lasting longer than two pumps. Okay. Anyway. Oh. Anyway. What? <laughs> I, I had a friend in high school. You had just one friend in high school? Yes, I had one friend in high school. <laughs> that explains it all. And we were at this party. And they had their dates there and stuff like that. But they got so messed up that the one guy's girl was went into the bedroom and all screwed up and the lights were off. But the friend came in and fucked her on accident because he thought it was her, his girlfriend. Is that messed up or what? That's a little screwed up. That is screwed up. And he came out screaming. Wrong girl. Wrong girl. Don't tag in. Instead of wrong hole. Wrong girl. Not my date. But you know what's even messed up? more what is a couple months later they were dating yeah and left the other two out on the freaking must have been the wind it must have been that good it must have been i guess it happens so i think that probably happened with oh blah blah oh blah blah was fantasizing about a dude and ended up with michelle and ended up with michelle or michael or michelle you know how do they say that stuff in uh europe Michael, what is they call it? Michelle, right? I don't know. Because of them damn French, man. Them French people are weird there. out there. <laughs> I'm not from there. But you you know what I mean? French people are weird. You know, like I always say, they only contributed to society by French fries. And French toast. And French toast. Everything has to do with food with them. But I heard they're very sexual liberal. You know what I mean? They just go around, screw everybody around. Problem is, I don't understand how they screw everybody. They got armpit hair. They do. They got armpit hair. Because you're supposed to be the partner and bring the razor and shave it for them. Ew. I don't Ew. Know. I don't know. That's gross. It is gross, I think, on a woman, because a woman's supposed to be feminine. I mean, whatever. If that's what they like, that's what they like. But just keep your arms down around me. That's nasty. I don't know, Mike, if you should be in the chat room, because China Doll's pissed at you right now. You know, falling asleep during the second half of the show. Yeah, what the hell? That that just tells me. She was bitching in the beginning. Hollywood and Mike show. I'm just going to sleep through it. It's fine. I'll watch it later. (laughs) Dick. I'll just watch it later. Hmm. That's pretty bad. But no, I try to be in the chat room and liven up the chat room instead of taking a nap during the show. 
it happens. Take a nap after M- the show. Michelle. <laughs> that's how Rattlesnake just put Michelle. Michelle. Would you ever want to like date a French guy? No. Because that probably... was quick. No. That was really quick. <laughs> Rich right goes, there. you forgot the French kiss. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Have you ever really thought about that? When you're trying to French kiss somebody and you got the tongues and stuff. I was like, is that natural? Do animals do that? <laughs> it's like, dude, who fucking thought up that shit? The French. <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe they not. But you know what I mean? Uh, is that like natural to like tongue, uh, play tongue hockey and tongue wrestling? You know, the part that sucks is if somebody you're you're kissing somebody and they're doing that and they're like sticking their tongue so far down and they're like almost it's like what are with, you they're playing they're literally li- playing tonsil hockey. Yeah, it's like what the fuck? Are you a lizard or something? <laughs> it's like you're trying to eat my face. What are you doing? Back up. I had some of that stuff when I was in high school. In high school. You know, some women don't know how to freaking kiss. No nasty and it's like okay you know what you're doing a good tongue action instead of like kiss me can you go down and get on your knees or something oh my god yes yes that's what you're all about that's it that is what i'm all about hollywood is not one that kisses nah i I can't do it you know women have bad breasts sometimes (laughs) he'll give you a peck that's about all you get yeah you get a peck from me that's That's it it. That's it. <laughs> Screw the rest of the bullshit. And if you're lucky, it's on your forehead. <laughs> I'm not I'm not very cuddly as a man. I don't believe in cuddling. I don't believe in being actually where you get all this romantic freaking <laughs> shit. I, I'm sorry. I can't do it. Jason. What? Hollywood, did you actually attend high school long enough to officially say you went? <laughs> you actually have to show them my You tell me that transcripts. all the time. I don't know where it is. I got to find I it. I got to get the transcripts because w- what did I have? Like a 1.1 1. 1 or 1.2 grade point average? Uh, I don't know. I see-, see, they never believed me until they got that transcript. <laughs> Seeing how many actual days of attendance. Senior year, I just was not there. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> What else is in the news uh, before we bring Tia on? Tia is going to be talking about the cycle of violence in Chicago. Going to be a good conversation, pretty serious one. If you're not from Chicago, I'm sure you hear it on the news all the time about the shootings and uh, how they compare everything to Chicago. And it is pretty bad out there. It takes a special kind of person to live in Chicago, they always said that if you can't make it in Chicago, you can't make it anywhere. I think Chicago gives the base of knowing when bullshit's bullshit. You have to believe that. You know, they don't play around in Chicago. Well, an Illinois doctor was arrested and charged with a felony after he allegedly placed a video camera in a hospital bathroom to record female employees. Why does guys even get off on that? Why you want to watch people pee? What what is the fascination? I don't that's what I'm asking, you know, that's guys stupid. out there that are freaks on my show cuz I know I got a couple in the madhouse crew. What why does that get you off? That's just like golden showers. 
Yeah, what's the thrill? It, what is the thrill? Please help me here. Um, and what's the thrill with a woman with 10-inch heels sticking, you know, putting a freaking heel in your balls? I don't get that. Do they have no freaking self-worth whatsoever where they want to get their nuts uh, hit? I guess that is insanity. So Henry Chang, 28, a doctor at a medical center in central Illinois of Peoria is being held in jail on a $10,000 bond. Of course it has to happen in Illinois. He's charged with unlawful video recording, which is a class four felony. That is just a sick person. That is sick. What the hell? I'm, what is, I, I don't get it. You want to watch a chick take a poop? That's nasty. <laughs> See, I always believed, and I do believe this, a woman needs to have the door closed. That is her private time. <laughs> I leave the door open because you're usually not up here. <laughs> because here, here's my thinking on this. Here's my thinking. What's your thinking? Men go down that way. So why do I want that image of a woman pooping? <laughs> or taking a pee. In my head. No. You sick puppies. You really are. You're sick people. <laughs> Let's record it. You all need Jesus. Okay. You need Jesus. Well, sometimes I do. You know, I talk to him and I talk to the old, you know, God upstairs. You know, I have different levels of highness that I go by on my highness Richter scale. When I get a little high, I go and talk to Buddha about my problems. It happens. And then, you know, I'll say, okay, Buddha, you don't got the answers or any of that bullshit. So we're going to go to Jesus himself. And then when I talk to Jesus, he, you know, I have to say, you know what? Sorry, I got to go to the old man. That's my highness scale. Actually, before Buddha, it's Beavis and Butthead time, but, uh, you know, that's when I get bored with Beavis and Butthead. Don't I got, like, the whole season of 1994 on VHS? Yeah, in that closet right there. I really do, don't I? Yeah. Uh, 94 was a, a, a year I can hardly remember. It is. Good it, to know. It's, it is. <laughs> I was high too much. Good to know. That's when they actually had good weed and they didn't lace it with fentanyl and shit like that. <clears throat> I cringe when people say they're going to go to the street to get uh, weed. <laughs> you never know what you're getting in your weed anymore. It used to be oregano. Now it's freaking fentanyl. What the hell? They stepped up their game. And that's just like the morons with the, the coke throwing some like baby powder and crap up in there yeah now it's like now it's deadly. fentanyl yeah you can't even, <laughs> you can't even have no self-respecting person can even have a line of coke nowadays no that's bullshit poor people it that's is sad one more story before we bring tia on tia is going to be our guest we're going to be talking about the cycle of violence in chicago something that's always in the news and you're going to get some insight from a chicagoan it's hard to talk about Chicago with outsiders, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They because don't they don't it. know. Mm -hmm. That's just like I get lost in there in there sometime because I didn't grow up out there. It's always funny with China, though. Yeah. She's so freaking surprised that I know everywhere in the city. I don't get lost in the city. That's why you drive. I know every <laughs> inch of that damn city. Uh huh? I love my, I love it. I really do. I love it. I know the bus routes. I know the train routes. You know, a lot of people don't know that even from Chicago, but 
Uh, one more story. San Jose, California. South Bay doctor was arrested Friday and charged with several felonies related to an alleged illegal opiate prescription scheme. You know what? It's because of them damn doctors that there was an opiate crisis. And I can look at you and know that. They so, used to give you pills left and right. Mm -hmm. That's why you have it has no effect when you have when I need them. When you need them? No, they don't they, they don't do nothing for you. No, pain medication doesn't work on me at all. And I think that's bullshit. They did this. And then that's when the heroin rates went up and now they're hooking people on heroin and then the fentanyl comes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the doctor's fault. Well, this doctor uh, using another doctor's prescription information used to uh, illegally acquire hydrocodone by writing fake prescriptions for himself, his wife, and his father. They would allegedly, he would allegedly write the prescriptions and have various other people pick them up at pharmacies in and around San Jose. That's messed up. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going to go with Tia. We're going to bring her right in after this. If you don't know Tia, that is Black Dragon of Black Dragon TV's uh, old lady. I wouldn't call her that, but she probably kicks the shit out of Black Dragon. I have to worry about her kicking the shit out of me uh, for calling her an old lady. But uh, that is his girlfriend. We're going to be right back. Do you have trouble getting laid? Are you sexually deprived? Join China now every morning at 8.15 a.m. Central Standard Time to talk shit about your loved one on Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Mayhem, available on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to go check her out on Chatting with China now every Monday at 9.30 really a.m. Central Standard Time. Rock I do. I got to go through these damn sweepers. <laughs> that is so old. <laughs> that is an old one. I really got to go through that. Anyway, we're going to bring in Miss Tia, and we're going to be talking about the cycle of violence in Chicago. Very important subject to a lot of us that came from Chicago, grew up in Chicago, and the neighborhoods are just so different now. We got Tia on the show. What's up, Tia? Hey. Good morning, brother and sister. How you? How you? Uh, we're doing good. How about you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. I see that Black Dragon has a picture of Atlanta back there instead of the Sears Tower and all that good stuff. But that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> We'll let, we'll let it go. It's fine. Right. You look beautiful, China, as always. Oh, stop. Look at you. It's early in the morning. How do you look this good already? <laughs> so we're going to talk about the, this is a very serious subject to yourself and myself. Uh, I know we always joke around, me and Black Dragon, but this is something I think you can actually teach him as well about the different let's talk about the difference between chicago and atlanta right now before we get into uh the nitty-gritty atlanta is warm atlanta is green um atlanta to me from where i came from is a better place to raise my children um chicago is a beautiful city absolutely beautiful 
um, just like any city in the world, there are good cities and bad cities or good parts and bad parts of every city. So I just happened to live or grow up in an area that was high, um, like crime infested, um, gang infested. And um, I grew up seeing a lot of people that I went to school with get killed or grew up with get killed. So everybody asked me what made me move to Atlanta. Well, there was a series of uh, events, but the one that I always bring up and that stands out in my mind is when um, a gentleman got shot the next block down from um, where I lived. And we all ran down there and I remember looking into his eyes and that stare, that piercing stare has always stayed with me ever since I saw it. So I decided at that moment that I was going to um, leave Chicago. So ever since I saw that, it's, it was like a process of me trying to relocate down to Atlanta. So, Well, one thing that a lot of people don't know about uh, the city of Chicago is it's broken up into neighborhoods, meaning I came from Montclair, and it was a specific type of culture because Chicago is the biggest melting pot next to New York City mm -hmm. of all kinds of cultures. We got Greek town there. We got Chinese town there or Chinatown. We got the old Italian town where my uh, grandparents grew up on Taylor Street. And then we because we actually use the Eisenhower as the dividing line. You know, we got South Side, West Side, where you're from is West Side, and then the North Side. And I try to explain to people, and I like to get your thoughts on this, or if you agree or disagree, I call Chicago the most segregated city in the United States. It is still like that to, to this day. Absolutely. Um, my parents were um, born and raised in the South. Uh, Tennessee to be exact. And so a lot of my family members migrated from the South to the North for a better life. That was around the civil rights era and there was a lot of crime in the South, as you know. So they moved to Chicago for a better, like the exact same reason why I moved to Atlanta. And um, it, it, it was you know, there was a lot going on back there, but I guess it was still a better life from what they knew. There there are, um, it's just like you said, it's split up in different sections, Jewtown, Chinatown, you know. I really didn't go to some areas. It's just like you stayed where you were supposed to. You didn't, uh, you know, um, go to a lot of different areas because you didn't know what was on the other side, you know? So it, it, it was, um, just, a, a rough experience. It was a really rough experience. And you talked about the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. R Richard Daly senior was the mayor at that time. Mm -hmm. And one thing we called it the great migration or history does. 
mm-hmm. where a lot of people came from down the south and into the city of Chicago. And one thing, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. Did the cycle of violence begin with, because I don't know if you guys knew before they started tearing them down and stuff, like the Cabrina Green or Robert Taylor. Do you think them high-rise public housing had a big impact on the cycle of violence? Absolutely. I think what they did was they tried to build those, I, I call them projects. So the you, when when you talk about it automatically, I just think of the projects. They they built those buildings in areas where there were um, less crime, I believe. I think they were. It's sort of like an experiment, and I noticed that they do that here in Atlanta too. They try to blend in the um, or build the projects in the areas where there's basically no crime. And if you are used to a certain type of lifestyle, it's just like if I if I was living in the projects and I moved to Atlanta, sometimes you can change your environment, but what is in you is still in you. So I think a lot of times people who are used to robbing and stealing and doing certain things, it goes wherever they go. Sometimes, sometimes you you know you enter a new environment and um, things are different. But I absolutely believe that that had a lot to do with it. You're trying to cram. Anytime the living um, situation is crammed, where people are on top of each other, it's almost like a jail. Uh, it's just a very chaotic ex- uh, environment. And so that definitely had a lot to do with the crime, I believe. And when you say it's kind of like prison, and you know, you grew up in Schaumburg, so you ain't from Chicago. <laughs> no, I, oh, you talking about China? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she's from she's from the burbs. See, a lot of people, Tia, they don't understand their Chicago, and then there's the burbs. Right. Uh, they really don't get that. But when you're talking about prison, if you ever you can look at it at YouTube how you know say cabrini green and she's right cabrini green you can go a block and you had goko stuff but they actually had fences on these buildings and it did look like a prison and there's a lot of hard working people that were in the projects that were held prisoner by the bangers and i and the city of Chicago never did anything for them people. The suffering, I remember, and you probably do too, the sniper incident where mm-hmm. there was sniper stuff coming from the upper floors and all that from the projects. But yeah. the government did, as Tia said, cram the everybody in on top of each other and just let it go. And, Let it and, go. Not, and not even, but poor people, people pe- deprived of um, education, um, deprived of um, finances. So when you're in that situation, automatically, you, you, it's like they say, you have to give children activity because if you don't, they'll start to wander and get into bad things. 
So you have to, I try to keep my children in some type of activity in school to keep them busy, occupied. But if you have nothing, there, there's a lot of people with a, nothing going on. And a lot of times when you are in a situation like that, you resort to negativity, you resort to crime and things of that nature. So I think if they had more programs in place that would, um, which they do, uh, a lot of them they have done away with because of um, the, the financial aspect of it. But I do think if they put a lot of more things in place for children, boys and girls clubs, after school programs, that would eliminate a lot um, of that with the children and even teenagers. I mean, the same thing, um, because a lot of times you you mimic what you see growing up, you know. A lot of children don't have, um, unless you're sent to the South to, to spend time with your grandmother, all you know is your environment. So a lot of times it's best to try to get your, like my my family, we actually, um, I grew up with 10 siblings. And I had a sister who, she was able to move to Atlanta in her early 20s. And she was like, so I always tease her about being a Harriet Tubman of our family she relocated to Atlanta and for a better life. And then it's like she plucked us like one by one. So eventually my whole entire family relocated to Atlanta. So I think if more thing, more people were able to leave their environment and, and get away, um, a lot of um, people can escape that for the most part. But well, that's very true, and uh, I like to get China Dow's opinion after I asked Tia this one. CPS, that's the Chicago Public Schools, and I really believe they let the kids down in the city of Chicago. They want to get all this pay, but they don't want to teach our kids. And in Chicago, in a neighborhood, it really was our kids the neighborhood always watched each other we didn't see in our neighborhood we didn't want the cops around we would deal with it mm -hmm. ourselves all that good stuff but what do you think about the lack of education in the chicago public schools because i knew guys that were getting passed and they couldn't even read do you think that attributed to what was going on in the city Absolutely. I remember growing up and we were on strike every year. So you, you, we normally we went back to school after Labor Day. There was always a teacher strike. And grow, I, I, you know, you, you, you really can't help the circumstances you're born into. And if your parents send you to a certain school, that's where you had to go. But as I got older, I understood that sometimes you have to, um, live in a certain area in order for or, or pay for your children's education. If you depend on the neighborhood schools to teach them or give them a proper education, I think they do what they can, but it's not enough. So I actually um, have tried to live in areas where the first thing is the school, the education. Uh, that's like for for most moms that's something to consider whenever you buy a house the first thing they tell you is about the school systems if they if you have children 
because that plays a very important part. Um, to have your children go to a school that's almost like a private um, school and you don't have to pay, it's worth living in um, certain areas. So yeah, I definitely believe that because um, that, that, that has everything to do with, um, you know, it, teachers don't get paid as much as they should. And a lot of times, they, you know, I think they deserve to get paid more. And then when, whenever you work on a job and you're not compensated as you feel you deserve to be, um, you're not going to do the best job, I feel. So I think if they were to pay the teachers more, I think we wouldn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. Now, how old were you, Tia, when you lived on the west side? So I moved on the west side when I was in third grade. We were we were on the south side and uh, we relocated to the west side. So um, so yeah, in about third grade, that's when I so that's where I say I was raised because that's where I spent the majority of my time there. So now, when you were when you were obviously third grade, so probably about I'd say seven ish, seven eight, seven, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, did you feel that growing up where you grew up, you were able to actually have a childhood and be a child? Or did you feel like you, because of your surroundings, did you feel like you had to grow up faster? I do absolutely feel like I had to grow up faster. I was brought up in a um, church background. My mom was um, very involved in church. So that definitely saved us. It kept us off the streets. So when we would leave to go to church, all the other kids would be out playing. We, she didn't play that. We, we were known on the block as the church kids. And that's okay. Cause now that I'm older, I, when I talk to uh, people I grew up with, sometimes I ask them like, what did you think about me and my siblings? Oh, y'all, you all were the church kids. And, and so that really protected us a lot from the gang violence. A lot of people say, well, you know, we're going to leave them alone because they're, they're not a, really about that life, you know. So did you uh, feel at that young of an age, even though you did have a lot of siblings and I'm sure what where did you fall in the line of the children? I was the seventh child. So you were like in the middle. Almost. In the middle. Yeah. <laughs> now with having older and younger, multiple older and younger siblings. Yeah. And I'm sure y'all watched each you watched out for each other. Oh yeah. Did uh did you feel safe where you lived? Um I did. I felt like like I said we were brought up in the church. So I always felt like um I was protected by God. I didn't really have a gun till I was grown. I never felt like, oh, let me take this knife to school. It wasn't like that. So although there was violence around us, we were definitely shielded. We were definitely protected from a lot of things. I grew up with my mother and my father in the household, which a lot of families in that area didn't. Um, there was uh, every household had some uh, um, someone on drugs. And so a lot of times, maybe the grandmother, the father wasn't in a household. Maybe the mother was on drugs. And a lot of times the grandparents raised the children. So I definitely felt protected. I definitely 
Um, I could we could sit up here and talk about how bad it was, but for me and my family, we were definitely protected and shielded from a lot of violence, you know. Mm. But did you see a lot of it growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The drive-bys and all all everything, everything they say about Chicago is true. Um, like I said, I'm I moved my children to Atlanta in '98. My son is 32 now. One day I walked up on him and he was watching a documentary on YouTube. And it was about gang violence in Chicago. And I said, why are you watching that? And he said, I just can't believe it was that bad the way everybody said it was. I just I just can't believe it. I said, <laughs> well, the fact that you're here to let you know it was that bad that I said, I'm leaving everything that I love and I'm taking my children and uprooting my, you know, everything and moving to a better um, environment. So do you think a lot of problem with the family unit? And again, we're, uh, we got Tia on and she can give you a firsthand knowledge of, like she just said, what you hear about Chicago is true. Do you think having a one parent family unit contributed to a lot of the problems that we're seeing? Absolutely. I mean, when our Heavenly Father created us, he created a coalition of a mother and a father to raise a child. You can, a, a, a woman can do it. She can feed you. She can clothe you. But for a male child, it takes a man to raise a man all day long. Um, she can put good things in you. She can pour a lot of wisdom in you. But at the end of the day, surviving those survival skills, you need a man. You need to, um, it's so important. So I, I understood that early on. I got married at an early age. My my first marriage was a, at an early age because that's what we were taught. You um, you 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 get married, find you a mate, and um, have children and raise them. So yeah, definitely. A lot of times. Um, the the households that didn't have tell because they they still look for that fatherly love, and I think that's why a lot of young men turn to gangs and the streets is because they lack that. You you know, a lot of times the gangs is not bad like a lot of people think they are. They protected the neighborhoods, like yes, you did. said earlier. You you all didn't call the police. A lot of times the police didn't come. So if mm. something bad happened in the neighborhood, the, the gangs would be the ones that, you know, control the violence. There was after nine o'clock, there were no children on the street. Um, there was no garbage. Uh, you know, you couldn't disrespect uh, the elderly people. You couldn't disrespect their homes by standing in front of it you know, different things like that. So they regulated a lot. So, um, you know, a lot of people want to look at the bad side, oh, they're killing and this and that. All, I think when the gangs initially started, they were no different than, I, I would, I hope I'm not, I'm going to say this respectfully, like a, a club, a motorcycle club, where um, it was a family. And a lot of times, young men knew nothing about going to the military or going to get a job. The thing was, in the neighborhood, you saw the drug dealers 
and you needed money, a lot of times at 15 years old, you had to step up and become the man of your household. So a, a child at 15, instead of worrying about football and basketball, you had to worry about how you were going to help your grandmother feed your siblings. So I think if they had, like I said earlier, more activity or just um, information or education, a lot of people uh, wouldn't take that route. I think they would, you know, know that there was something better out there other than, you know, just dealing with what they saw. Uh, you know, the people who had nice cars um, were like the pimps and different things. So a lot of times young um, people, young men will look up to them and respect them. So if you look at, uh, in our culture, a lot of rappers or different things, they look up to pimps. That's because where they came from, those were the people who had the nice cars, you know, the money. So if that's all you know, you don't know that there's doctors, there's, you know, lawyers that you can be, you can become that if you, you know, had an opportunity to go to school, you know, so. I'm so br uh, happy that you brought up the gang culture in Chicago because they were the ones that watched the neighborhood. They watched over it like a hawk. Then it started seeing the change when drugs be, you know, like the heroin and stuff oh, yeah. started popping up in the seventies and then crack in uh, the eighties and the hair, it just goes on and on. I think a major problem within the city now is the drugs. I think the drugs have taken over. Yeah. And have really you, bad. You know, then now they're spending all. Have you been back since you've left to visit oh, where you grew up? I used to go back twice a year. I would um, try not to go in the winter because it was too cold. And um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I used to go, you know, when I first left, I really missed it. So I would try to go like twice a year. Then it dwindled down to once a year. Now I just go when it's an event somebody's getting married it's a funeral or something like that i it's always a reason for me to go back up there and visit and i really love the city and i'm very proud to have came from there it taught me how to fight how to survive you know but there are certain things that i just didn't want my children exposed to so um if i had to move i always say i i if i had to move back up there i would definitely moving to a suburb. I don't know if I could deal with the cold weather anymore. I just don't. <laughs> How do you think the drugs have torn the neighborhoods apart? Oh, wow. Um, it was really bad. I, I grew up seeing um, people that, like I said, a lot of uh people I grew up with, it was either your mom on drugs or your dad on drugs. So coming out the house was like seeing, if you watch the episode of The Living Dead, the way that the zombies walk around, that's exactly how it is. You, mm -hmm. you, they don't bother you. They may ask you for money, but they're just walking around basically trying to find that next hit. And, um, it's really sad to see and imagine being a child and having to wake up and walk to school and you see people like that all day long. And um, 
my children just can't believe it. And when I tell them stories, they're like, wow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it definitely has impacted our uh, uh, our neighborhoods, especially like the impoverished um, neighborhoods um, stricken with poverty. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's terrible. Now, I don't know how it is now, um, but like you said earlier, with the 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 fentanyl, the new drug they have out, I do have a lot of um, people that I knew that I grew up with, who are they they've survived different a lot of things only to die from, you know, drugs. Uh, the you know that one in particular now is a big thing with the right. children, the pills and different things like that. It's like wow. Well, you know what is you just brought that up out of 10 of uh, close friends that I had. And it was it was so messed up because I just found this out last year. There's only four of us left. Most of them either died of ODs or are in prison now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, my parents um, knew uh, where we came from, you, you, that it was for a young man to live past 22. That's a blessing. A young black male, your life expectancy is 22 years old. And if you live past that, you've accomplished a, a great thing. And, um, when my brother, he's, um, two years older than me. So when he turned 15, my parents uh, sent him away. Um, so the the sequence of my siblings, there are four girls, boy, four girls, boy. So he was the oldest one, the oldest son. So when he turned 15, he was sent to live down south with my parents. So he escaped the drug, um, the gang culture to a certain extent. Um, I asked him one day, how did he get, a, how did he avoid the um the drug activity and you know because at that age they they're looking for they're looking for recruits prospects you as you will um but because he was sent to live down south he got a different it's a different environment he was dealing with farm animals my grandparents were elderly so he did a lot to you know to um care for them so he escaped that that you know, for a year, a couple of years. And then he came back to Chicago. So, um, like I said earlier, if a lot of children had relatives in other states that they could go visit or go stay with, that that would help out a lot um, as far as their growth and development. You know, it teaches you um, there's other things besides the streets and gangs and, you know, uh, crime, you know, so... Right. Now, one thing I never understood, and this uh, had to do with the government, there are two men that were named Jeff Fort and Larry Hoover that actually tried to bring down the violence. You know, you had the Black P-Stones with Jeff Fort and then Larry Hoover with the GD Nation. They actually tried to get together and try to end this stuff, but instead of the government or the city of Chicago, if you will, letting this happen, they actually stopped it from happening where they would have this meeting to bring down the gang violence. 
and I believe that they don't understand. And again, the neighborhood polices itself that people don't want to go to the cops. They want to go to the people that they know. And these men held such power and they still to uh, do to today. Yeah. Do you think that they should be let involved in trying to stop all this? Uh, that is, um, you are so right. Those men are so respected. And like I said before, the gangs were, if, if, if you do your research for the um, Black Panther movement, most mm. of the, the guys in those um, organizations were military men. They, they were organized. They were disciplined. And they they did make a difference in our communities. And for whatever reason, I, you said the government, and you're probably right. But if though there are very powerful men in our neighborhoods that do have the power to tell um, gangs, the gangs, like you need to do this or like give orders, and they actually do it. You know, when when to be in a position where you can call a truce, where you could go have a conversation and the crime stops, that's that's almost godlike. Um, respectfully, um, I do think we need more leaders. The sad part is usually when we have men like that, that step up in the neighborhoods, their life is shortened. It might be, um, because of a younger person that's coming up, that's trying to make a name for themselves. But it, it, it like I said earlier, the gang started out, they, they, they were organizations. They they have bylaws, you know, they actually have bylaws. It, 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 um, it was organized. It was disciplined and you couldn't do certain things. Like I said, there were no children. They made sure all the children were in school, a child just walking around after nine o'clock, they would ask you, what are you doing out here? Because you were kind of in, 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 um, interrupting their business with the drugs. So a lot of times they didn't want no kids on the street, which meant they made sure kids got to school. They made sure uh, there was a lot of families that, um, like I said, it was a impoverished area. They made sure those kids ate. It, uh, they did a lot in the community. So when some people look and they see, oh, that's the gang, they just it's just crime. There was a lot of good acts that they did that they um, protected the neighborhood. First and why do you why do you think Tia that they painted the Panthers in such a bad light? Is it because people didn't understand who they were, where they came from, their mission? But you hear, especially with the older Black Panthers during the '60s and the '70s, it's all negative. Even though they were trying to set up businesses for people getting these kids in the school. Why do you think they were so against it? It's just like the FBI was so against Martin Luther King. What do you think it was? Because they made a difference in the neighborhood. I think um, even today, if a lot of things or organizations or things in place to better our uh, neighborhoods it is sort of demonized. I noticed they make it seem like it's something bad and um, it's actually a good thing if you really did your research. Um, 
Yeah, it, 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 that still goes on today. Like I said, whenever there's a leader, um, when someone does step up and um, become a leader, and they do have the power to persuade or the power to get people to move or uh, in the right direction, their lifespan is um, uh, exactly. Jason, you're absolutely right. They did. They all started out. Um, like I said, a lot of I, I grew up with a lot of gang members and to me, they're like family. So they and they're very disciplined. The the leaders, the chiefs, they they they're not really for violence. They 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 um they're peacemakers. I you know, they they try to get um people to do the right thing. It's not what people think. Like I said, it has definitely been demonized, and um it, it's almost like uh, marijuana. If you and it's illegal in a lot of states, but if they understood how it helps people, if you have a child that has seizures all day and there's a brownie or something you can give them and you notice that they, they feel better, they get better, why wouldn't you, 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 you have insulin, you, you have other drugs on the market, why wouldn't you legalize something that actually helps um, people in their illness? Or I just don't understand it. But then it goes back to the government and the control and the 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 money and and all of that. So, well, you're you're right on that road rage because I really looked up the MLK, and I believe that you're correct in saying that the government seen him as a for, uh, force to unite us. The thing the government fears most is the united population. They need to keep us distracted and fighting each other instead of them but what they did to mlk was messed up bad big time uh especially with uh, what j Edgar hoover did to him and he was a guy that was going around speaking for civil rights peacefully mm -hmm. peacefully and he was uniting people and it's just upsetting china that they did something like that to him but you coming from Schaumburg, how do you look up? How did you look upon the city that me and Tia were at? Um, I won't go unless you're with. There's one. <laughs> well, why is? Why do you feel? Why do you feel that? I way? mean, if I'm going downtown to like the beaches and stuff, to me that that's okay. I can do that. But if we go to other parts of the city, like when you took me on the L. I almost peed myself. <laughs> I was like, this is this, uh, this don't feel right. Looking out the windows and seeing how the streets were and the people just like in these little huddles. And I'm like, uh, okay, they not huddling up for a football game. What's what's going on? I was very blinded to everything. I was sheltered. So mm -hmm. a lot of that I was very fearful of because it's not what I, I did not grow up around that. You know, for us, it was like, oh, everybody's going to the Friday night game. Everybody's going all this stuff after school. We were all in sports. You know, all me and my two brothers grew up always being in some sort of sport. So it's mm -hmm. like when when you took me on the L, I was fearful. I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was scared. 
So you had other opportunities that a lot of our kids in Chicago don't get. I think so. And as far as education, I mean, I, I got a pretty damn good education and I really feel for those that don't get, aren't, don't have the abilities to have that good of an education because when I grew up, none of our schools ever went on strike in, in where I was at. We mm. never had that issue where, like Tia was saying, every year they started on strike. Every year. Every year. So, it, so it's like, yeah, I get it. They do want to make more money. But at the same time, it's affecting the kids. They're not able to go back to school and their education is being pushed aside for them to get more money. Well, the uh, members only is going to be pushed back until tomorrow because I got uh, T on here and we're talking about the, the cycle of violence in Chicago. We're going to take a station identification break and we're going to be right back with Tia. Are you sexually deprived? Do you have trouble getting laid? Do you admit to being a loser? Listen to Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Mayhem Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time with Hollywood and China now and get advice that might make you into a winner. Rock on. What do you think? What do you think, Tia? Uh, Black Dragon giving you the cues. What do you think, Tia, about the way the people in the burbs seen the city? So I still have family and friends there, and basically no one is in the city. Everybody that is still there is in a suburb, either south or west, the surrounding areas of Chicago. I took my dad there about two or three years ago to visit for Father's Day. Um, one of my girlfriends turned 50, so we had her birthday party. We went to our old neighborhood to find the food that we grew up eating. So we, what we do is we, if we stay in an Airbnb or a hotel, we gather food from everywhere, our favorite foods, and then we just hang out at the hotel or the Airbnb and let people come visit us. When I told um, people, when people were calling me saying, oh, you're in Chicago? Okay, where you where you at? I'm like, oh, we're on such and such trying to get some food. You, girl, you bold to go in that Airbnb. <laughs> but that's just where I remember the food being. I want my children to experience the food, but I know when you 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 um adapt to your environment or be, or you become extinct. So there's things, there's codes that you know you're not supposed to do. Um mm -hmm. driving slow in a neighborhood. That's a no-no. That that if you're looking for an address, I told Black Dragon. I don't know if I ever want to take him to Chicago because he likes to explore. Even though he <laughs> traveled the world in the seven seas, he's he's oblivious to I mean he to to certain things, certain um, especially in Chicago. So I'm like, mm -mm, no, that's not happening. Um, I know when you go to certain neighborhoods, if they don't know who you are, if you're visiting family. And you driving slow looking for an address, they do, it's just, it's crazy. I, in one situation, uh, they they were driving, um, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, the guys from the neighborhood were driving her home. She actually lived around Cabrini Green. 
the guys, they, like you said, they have snipers, they had camera, they had people looking out. It was just a whole organization. That project was something else. They saw a, a car they didn't recognize, and I don't know if they had radios or what it was. They targeted that car, not shooting it. What, what happened was they they put pushed a dumpster in in the way so the car could not exit the road it was going on. And they did shoot the car. Everybody in the car got shot, but they didn't die. So it's things like that. If you if you don't know the people in certain areas, you're not gonna go. I'm not gonna go somewhere. I don't know. I have to go with someone that's from there. I just I'm just not doing that. Right, right. Um, but how does it make you feel the perception when you grew up so you loved it there? You know, everybody loves the neighborhood they're from. How about how does it make you feel the perception? that the news media puts out or you know when it gets in the political crap how they use chicago as the pinpoint of gun violence it, it's accurate I, I don't feel like i don't feel bad about it i i feel good that i survived the area and i'm always trying to pull people that are still there like when they come visit you think atlanta is somewhere you might want to live um, I think everybody in my family has done that, you know, has helped someone migrate from um, Chicago to Atlanta. But it's accurate. It is what it is. Like I, my son just couldn't believe the stories he heard. So he's watching documentaries on YouTube. Um, and it is it, it just makes me it's almost like you survive a war and um you 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 live to tell about it. You um you just feel blessed. But I um it is. I know there's other parts of the world that are worse, but I, I'm glad to have um came from I, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't change my um upbringing. I think it taught me a lot in the person that I am today. Um, I know it stems from going through what I went through as a child. So, so when people ask you where you're from and you say Chicago, what kind of response do they give you? Chirac, you came from Chirac. You so bougie. <laughs> you're from the, oh yeah. I hear that all the time. Like, oh my goodness, you live there. You experienced that, you know, but, um, you know, just because you're from somewhere doesn't mean you're, you know, just because you're from it doesn't mean you're in it. So I didn't um, really, like I said earlier, I kind of escaped a lot of things that happened there. I was shielded and protected. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But mm. the the childhood, the the people in my life, the, you know, who I grew up with, I, I, I love those people. And I wouldn't, if I had to live, you know, live again i would want those same people in my life you know so mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of people come from bad areas but the fact that you were able to survive it and get away and live to tell about it that's a blessing so i'm proud it's like uh in the military i've earned stripes stars and stripes you know so I, I'm very proud of where I came from. I never feel down or bad about my upbringing. I, I feel like it was definitely ingredients to 
make me who I am today. And I'm proud of who I am. Well, that is one thing that you mentioned about moving to Atlanta. They always say, uh, I know my parents used to say this to me, if you can't make it in Chicago, you can't make it anywhere. And I think a Chicagoan can make it anywhere in the world after growing up there. Absolutely. Those survival skills, I, um, it's crazy. You know, my children, I, I just had a daughter who graduated with her master's. My son is 33. You know, a lot of young men don't make it out of Chicago. They don't. So the fact to see my son um, working and thriving and, and flourishing is a blessing because there's a lot of moms who didn't have an older sister who was able to escape and and um create a new life or environment for her family. My sister was in her uh, early 20s and she moved to Atlanta and she she was um the, the the main reason why we all were able to get a, to to relocate so that it's a blessing i always tell her that i thank her every time my children graduate from high school or different things cuz it's not just the males women get shot too women get um killed in chicago too so to know that my children that i i made a good decision um and it wasn't about me. It was about my children. I actually could have stayed there and, and survived it. But why would you when there's other opportunities, better opportunities in the world? So what do you why what would you say to them people that say, well, if you're in a bad neighborhood, well, then why don't you just move out? Why are you staying there? It's like I said earlier, sometimes you don't have the resources, the 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 uh the 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 opportunity to move to a different environment. A lot of elderly people, even though they live in a gang infested neighborhood, a lot of them don't leave because that's all they know. They that it's they they work their lives and they own their home, and it's really hard to give up something like that. So but you do look at them like you you have children with all over the, you know, they're living in all over the world. Why would you just stay in Chicago? But a lot of them do not want to move. Um, a lot of them, it, you you be you adapt to your environment, and a lot of people are scared of the unknown. What it's it's, it's crime everywhere, you know. But um, to each his own, and and you have to do what you need to do in in your life. But as far as me looking into that young man's eyes and that that um that that image never leaves me it's just like it happened yesterday so i i don't want my children to have to go to school and walk past a corner full of teddy bears and balloons because a, a young person got shot waiting on a school bus i mean things like that happen in atlanta it happens all over the world but it's 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 a it, it's just it's a lot of it in Chicago. And I just didn't want, I don't, I didn't want that for my children. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> Intense. China dolls just taking this all in. Cause China dolls kind of like black dragon is, and you said it perfectly oblivious <laughs> to the kind of stuff that happens out there. One of the uh, things that stick, with me when he talks to me because we do the biker news and stuff 
and you hear these stories or all this woofing, as we call it in Chicago, that ain't real gangster until you see gangsters in Chicago. There's a reason why everybody brings up Al Capone that don't live in this city. Yeah. Those are true gangsters. It's crazy because a lot of times we hear about things in the news or going on in these clubs or different things, and it's just like, okay, yeah, that's that's bad and it's serious, but it's just still not, it's childlike to me. Mm. Um, a lot of times I'll tell him about different things that has happened. He's like, oh, you need to write a book. <laughs> Black Dragon, write a book right away. <laughs> you need to write a book. Now you need to, we, we can, you can, but I, I just, I, I, I always tell him, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, mm. I'm just happy that God allowed me the ability to relocate and get my children away. And it's like, um, I just pray for the children coming. Like I said, I don't know how it is now. I know it's still bad. I, I hear the stories. And like I said, most of my relatives and family live in the suburbs, the surrounding areas. Nobody really still lives in the city, you know, so... But it's just the the quality of the respect for life. It, it, it's crazy how you know they these young people. It's it's a um, it's a ongoing um, cycle. Cycle, and it's just like it, 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 it it's ongoing. So if you don't decide in your mind that you want something better for your children, if not for yourself. I just I just pray for you. Mm -hmm. Well, listening to Tia talk about how she grew up in the neighborhood she grew up in, I'm like, damn, I'm sitting here going, man, the hardest thing I had to deal with was rush hour traffic. Yeah, you didn't have to or deal the with that kind of craziness stuff. of finding a parking spot at Woodfield yeah. Mall. <laughs> now, we are talking about the cycle of violence in Chicago right now. We're talking all about the bad, but I like to switch gears and talk about the good that, that the city has to offer everybody uh because yeah again we're, it's always bashed in the news but there is a lot of good that is in the city of chicago and i'll let tia just give uh, some of her thoughts on some of the good stuff out there besides the food the food is the best in the world <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes when i meet people from all over the world and they find out i'm from chicago the first thing that comes out their mouth is about the food now i thought new york had good food i've never been there but that's something that i've always heard about new york the food is really good but people tell me the food from chicago is much better than new york the, if i could fly up there and just go around and get collect the food i want and come back home i'm good Usually when I go visit, I don't even stay like weeks or, or days. We're we're in and out, uh, maybe a weekend, and we're back. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. I've had enough. So the the buildings. So when my children went, I took them there. Like I said, two years ago, we did a family trip. My girls um, are uh, are uh, 18 and 16. Even my son, who was 33, was like, oh, my God, look at the buildings. So beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. The thing I could appreciate is, is just the, the um, like China said, going the certain areas, the, the um, Michigan Avenue is, is beautiful. It's just breathtaking. Um, so the scenery, I would say, and, and um, 
visiting the 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 people um going down driving down my neighborhood it just it brings back so many good memories and there are a lot of good things that happen there um but sometimes you just think oh the pizza is good but yeah we gonna you got how we gonna get it <laughs> Here we got so it's like oh the flowers are beautiful but yeah don't don't walk on that side of the street but there there are so many beautiful things you just have to uh be educated on where to stay when you go there and what areas to go in and what areas not to go in and i mean but we have those areas everywhere every city has areas you shouldn't go in if you know so Right, we do have we do have the best uh, polishes, and we do have the oh best. Oh my goodness! Products. You know I they sell those that. here, but they're not quite. They they charge more than Chicago, and I'm like, I'll settle for this polish because I can't have what I really want. But they ought to be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the so Italian good. food down at Taylor Street, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I had China living in, uh, you know, she used to walk down Harlem Avenue and stuff and she wasn't used to that in Schaumburg. You had to drive everywhere. And when you lived in the city, you just walk wherever you wanted to walk oh, or yeah. take a bus. I remember, you know, cause you're a South sider. So you're probably a Sox fan, but, uh, you know, the Cubs, you know, I used to jump on the Addison street bus, let us right off at the stadium and stuff, but there was so much culture in the city. Like I said, it was all broken up in the neighborhoods like Chinatown, Greek town, Jew town. Uh, you know, they, we used to call it Dago town, but, uh, Taylor street and stuff, but you actually got to see everybody interact and the food is what brought us all to that type yeah, of environment. Well, that's and like when, well, that's like when downtown has their, you know, Chicago taste, the Chicago, taste of Chicago. the biggest reason why everybody goes to it is for the food. <laughs> they so, all want the food. I, um, and the, and, and another thing is, um, their style of dance, uh, we call it stepping. That's that's like you could get lost in that just to see people dancing. The older people used to call it bopping, but um, it it makes you it forget about a lot of things going on there when you. So you you as I got older, we did things like bowling and you know. There's a lot of beautiful things and like you said about the the White Sox to sports. At the time I was there, Michael Jordan was winning. You know, so the Bulls were like, you know, thank God for um, sports. It, it it definitely takes your mind off of a lot of things going on in the news and around the world. Um, when we come together and do Super Bowls and different things like that. So, yeah, you you when you grow up in situations like that, you learn to create fun or good times. And there's so many things I would never deter anyone from going to visit Chicago because you'll miss out on such a beautiful experience. The city is absolutely positively beautiful, especially at night, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the well, best. And it's like there aren't good things down in Chicago. I mean, downtown Chicago, you have all the museums. You've got Navy Pier. You've got North oh, Avenue yeah. Beach. I mean, you got the beaches, which are great. 
So it's like, it's not always a negative thing. I mean, I know a lot of people that like to go downtown during Christmas time because of all the, the magnificent, mile. The magnificent mile with all the Christmas decorations and all the store windows, the way they do their windows is like fabulous. Beautiful. So there are a lot of beautiful things that go on down there. You know what? I like to get Black Dragon to snuggle up with you for a second and ask him. <laughs> what? <laughs> I got a I do got a question for him because it was very interesting that you brought it up to you <laughs> that he wouldn't be able to understand how it is there and how to act. Come on, BD. <laughs> Let's see that face. Let's see that face. <laughs> BD's coming in right now. Uh, and I'm going to ask him that uh, question. Listen, man, I'm a United States Navy submarine sailor. I went to boot camp in Chicago. I've been around the world four times. There ain't no place the Black Dragon can't go. All right. Black Dragon, you're going to be doing a slow drive by in Chicago and they're going to be putting a dumpster in front of your car. <laughs> Listen. I've, I've been to Brini Green and all that stuff. Um, but way back in the early uh, 80s when I was in the Navy, that the first thing they told us is, you know, you can't go here and here. You can't go here and there. And that's the first place a sailor went. So, you know, we were chasing women. And you chase the women where the women may be. But I I saw, you know, I do stuff that, that Tia just she's shaking her head no. Like, I... Uh, you know, I like to pull over and look at stuff. Hey, buddy, where'd you get that car? How much did it cost? Hey, buddy, uh, how you doing, young man? Can you tell me how to get to Fort Street? And Steve's uh, like, no. Or, or I'll look in somebody's car. Man, I like that string wheel. That's that's all right. Is that is that is that a special one? BD is going to be holding conversations with the guys that wash the windows. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Did I, just, what, what did you say? <laughs> I said you're going to be the one holding conversations at the stoplight with the guys that are squeegeeing your windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, young man, can I get all four windows done? You know? <laughs> yeah. Here's a dollar. I'm a believer, and I'm a big believer in people. So I, I went to uh, I went to New York when I was 17, and uh, I'm from Oklahoma, so. Where where I come from, the uh, the uh, younger people greet the older people. That's just how it is. You walk down the street and you greet. So I'm walking down the street in New York, um, tall, six foot four inch tall black kid, walking down the street in um, Brooklyn. And I'm good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. Morning. Good morning. And people are grabbing their their pocketbooks and stuff and the women will stick their pocketbook to the other side and everybody and everybody's like walking away from me like there's something wrong with me and about a half a block later i say to myself hmm maybe you don't say good morning to people here and you know so does that give you you know hearing tia's story and by the way uh bd lyle ain't chicago uh, <laughs> lyle is not chicago <laughs> does it give you a new respect for tia her strength what she's been through what she's seen compared to what you're used to well tia's strength is um uh tia's strength is my rock i mean she is uh my rock especially um 
you know, in this business, you and I, we run into a lot of stuff, a lot of threats, a lot of uh, threats on our lives, all kind of stuff. And I can remember Tia saying um, uh, specifically, uh, you know, where I come from, we have gangsters. I haven't met a damn gangster yet. All these people with all these threats and where I come from, they don't threaten you, they kill you. Where I come from, if they can't get you, they get your family. Um, you guys damn. have more sit downs and and uh, warnings and uh, you, I've never seen uh, all of that kind of stuff in a so-called gangster world. Um, I think BD, that's why I always say motorcycle clubs ain't gangs because they don't know what a gang really is until they visit one in Chicago. I, I would have to agree. Just uh, looking at the comp, she's been with me in situations where uh, people have um, been really kind of um, aggressive and that sort of thing. And they never knew that while they were in my face with that aggressiveness, the Black Widow was about to blow their fucking brains out. <laughs> they they right. never, never even knew. Uh, I didn't even have an appreciation for um, just how violently lethal the woman is. But uh, she, she don't play, especially about those cubs. Mama Bear does not F around about those cubs. And um, I, I'm just blessed to have uh, to have met her and, and uh, been able not to, to get poisoned by the tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I personally feel with everything that she grew up with, it makes her a stronger person to deal with everything that you go through on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, last night I was in a, uh, we were in a, a, a little bar like thing. And, uh, uh, I, I was, uh, I go there all the time. So this one, uh, little cute little waitress comes up and hi, and, you know, and slaps me the high five and ask, starts asking me about my dog and everything. And then just walks past here. Like she doesn't exist. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, Man, I, I didn't, I don't know. She said, I'm not worried about those little chickadees. <laughs> she said, they don't bother <laughs> me one bit. Uh, she had somebody that has been able to accept my celebrity, uh, how small it is. I mean, I'm not no big celebrity, but she's been able to accept my celebrity and um, and all those kinds of things and all the things that come with it and the dangers, this, that, and the other. And when I hear the stories about the stuff she's really been through, like, told me a story about um, uh, a guy that did not comply with the uh, orders of the gang. So they brought him in and said, uh, you know, you're going to go uh, hurt someone. And he said, no. So he had to pay a price. So he had to either shoot himself in the leg or, or something or, or, uh, or, or, uh, and you know, this is just to me amazing. Uh, so you're not going to do what we say. So we need you to shoot yourself right here. That, that is crazy to have seen and witnessed these kinds of things. I'm from Oklahoma. I mean, we we had our stuff, but we didn't have no stuff like that. So I'm I'm um, sometimes I just realize that um, I have a uh, a mountain lion here that that people might think is a kitty cat. That the strength, and, um, that just her personal family stories that she shares has shared with me and some of the crisis she's had in her life that she survived 
and is is sane and but nice and beautiful and loving and 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 uh, God fearing. Some of the stuff she's seen, I, I I don't know if I'd believe in God. Uh, well, there's one thing that I think that it's important for everybody to know, and that is the strength of a single black woman. They are stronger than any man that I know. A single black woman that has to raise her kids like that uh, with respect, with uh, confidence. And it's just something a lot of people don't get. And it's even more special when it comes from a single black woman from Chicago. Then I, I got to tell you, and this new book that I'm writing, The Social Club Bible. <laughs> There's the book. <laughs> Excellent segue. These, uh, the new book I'm writing, The Social Club Bible, is all about black women's social clubs in the United States of America, especially the ones that came out of Chicago, and what these women did during slave times, uh, during uh, lynching, during uh, pro, uh, um, during uh, uh, women's suffrage and uh, prohibition, all of these things that these black women female social clubs did long before they ever got to the motorcycle club set. Uh, now, Social clubs are, are something that you don't see on the white biker set. There's something you see only on the black biker set. And they are like motorcycle clubs. They have colors and everything. They just don't have motorcycles. And they're like big support organizations. Uh, and they support all the, the black male motorcycle clubs that are around. Uh, but these are made up of all women. And the, the history of these women actually comes from the slave days when rich black women that were not slaves made these social clubs to go back into the plantations and feed and clothe and house uh, slave women and, and their children and the slave men who were starving and, and all these kinds of things to improve their moral and social condition. So the African-American woman in the American landscape from the time we got here in the 16th century or in the 1600s all the way up until today has been amazing. And, uh, uh, this book is a tribute to that long history of dedication and work that women, uh, my black sisters, especially um, um, African-American women. And it's kind of funny because when we started our relationship together, uh, before she would even give me a date, uh, she called me brother. <laughs> she would, And if uh, she ever calls you brother, that means you ain't getting none. <laughs> brother is her word for, hey, brother. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, he ain't right. getting none. <laughs> well, I want to just say to Miss Tia that it was a wonderful experience having her on. Uh, Miss Tia, I always love her coming on the show, and she is the definition of a strong black woman. She is also the definition of one hell of a beautiful ride or die woman. There she goes. Uh, she's just a beautiful person. Uh, she's God fearing. I always love talking about, uh, you know, to God fearing people and the struggles that they face and the choices that they made to get better uh, environments for the kids. So I really appreciate having you on the show, uh, T. I really do. I appreciate you guys. You, you, when I call you brother and sister, I mean that. And I love you, Hollywood. You're always pulling everybody up. It, it, you know, you, you always look out for your brother, Black Dragon. And oh, I love wow. you for that. 
And China, I love you. I told you, you look just like my mom. <laughs> every, every time I see those beautiful eyes, you 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 resemble my mom so much. So I, I'm so glad that God blessed me um, with the ability, you know, to have you guys in my life. I, I'm uh, I, I really cherish our relationship. I appreciate that a lot, uh, Tia, but you're welcome back on the show anytime. And, uh, of course, Black Dragon in here plugging that book. He's going to have you writing uh, the survival guide to Chicago pretty soon. (laughs) I think I'm not going to touch that one. I don't know. I have to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I hope uh, Black Dragon kind of talks about this subject on his stuff. Uh, as you know, with you as a guest, because yeah, there's a lot of bad in Chicago, but there is good in there, and hopefully, they, we can stop the cycle of violence in there. And I think it's going to come from the neighborhoods themselves to stop, and it ain't going to be coming from no government or city of Chicago. I can tell you that. Uh, but thanks, Tia, for being on and stuff. We'll let you go. I had you here for a long time, so you must be uh, going out there. You got to have Black Dragon cook you some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, enjoy your day. And um, keep keep, keep um, doing what you're doing. It's a beautiful thing. And you, you all, you share. You, you're always sharing your, 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 um, platform with others always teaching and 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 that's how you get blessed you know i hope so but that's the great tea uh right there uh black dragon's better half if you will uh the one that keeps them going <laughs> but uh we're gonna let uh tia go uh appreciate it tia yeah. And that was uh, Tia right there. Such a conversation, China, because you know Chicago is always my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be one of them guys that if I didn't see the Sears Tower, I was homesick. Yep, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore, but that's the way it used to be. Am I right or wrong? You are 100% correct. Wherever we lived, you had to be able to see it. And that, I think, is just the testament of the city of Chicago of how it stays in the heart of people that live there. Yeah. And she was able to get out, which, you know, like she said, a lot of people can't, they're used to what they're used to uh, or they can't financially afford to do it. And luckily, you know, she wanted better for her kids. So she got out. Hearing this growing up in Schomburg (laughs) and you know what? The burbs are the burbs. That's the way it is the different type of lives just separated by a few miles. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of weird because it's like growing up sheltered and basically just hanging around in Schomburg, you know? Yeah. I went to Chicago a lot, but with the family, you know, and we'd go to Lincoln, you know, we'd go to the zoo or we'd go to the museums or the planetarium or, but it's like, or we go to the top of the Sears Tower, which, yeah, that's a sight to see if it's clear day, let me tell you. Uh, but it's, there are good things, but, you know, I didn't grow up seeing all the stuff that Tia saw. Like, we would never, I would never see any of that. 
it would you'd never see that in Schaumburg. Nowadays, I'm hearing it's different, but it was how was it when life. I finally moved us back out there and you would walk on Harlem Avenue and it was were you nervous at first when I brought you back there? Yeah, at first. <clears throat> Because we had two kids. So it's like, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know about this. So I'd walk. And as, we put them in private school because of that. And I, when I would take a walk with the kids, because our youngest was, you know, still stroller, you know, two, three years old. So we'd be walking and I'd go only a couple blocks from the house to like this little deli where, you know, all, all the, the, Italian, all the guys. Italian guys were sitting in who were really nice guys. <laughs> but that'd be as far as I'd go. And eventually I ventured out and went down to Harlem Avenue where the original Caputo's was the Italian market. And I'd walk up and down. I, the I took her to the Italian. We took, I took her back to Montclair type of deal. So it's like the first time I walked down Harlem Avenue, Harlem and grand with two kids, I, I was like nervous and always looking around and, freaking out but it's a very close-knit area mm. lots of polish lots of italian in the in the area so it's like it took a while for me to get used to it and then once i got used to it we left because so <laughs> the, the kids were getting older and once you start getting at the high school level a lot of stuff changes in them schools mm -hmm. and i didn't want my kids going through that yeah we left when our daughter was basically going into middle school right and uh you wanted her to have a better education because she used to come home saying how school was too easy mm -hmm. so she needed more of a challenge right and so we found this little town and here we are 13 years later Actually, Steve, she used to go down to the the Italian shop uh, where the, you know, a lot of my, uh, I ain't going to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can get a cannoli. I can tell you that. A true it, everything, all the bakery was made fresh daily by these young, or, well, they're, they're, they're older, but they're beautiful older Italian women and, and young Italian women. Yeah. Italian women with makeup, cake, makeup, makeup caked on and very long nails. Right. Um, but they, 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 the bakery was fresh every day. Uh, and do well, you ever miss it? I do once in a while, mainly because of that store, because it's the only place where I could find spiced ham. Well, that and <laughs> we moved out here and they're like, what? <laughs> now you were talking about how it was mostly an Italian and Polish neighborhood. Yes. How tight knit was it? How protected was that neighborhood? And I don't, you know what? The cops didn't do shit. It was the, when I say the boys, it was the uh, guys on the street that were uh, protecting that neighborhood. Oh yeah. And there, there were many times when I'd be walking, uh, walking around the neighborhood and everybody did say hello to everybody. Um, they'd also greet the kids and that can tell you the difference because when I said it was a segregated city, everything North of the Eisenhower is North side or Northwest side. And there was, and I mean, if I had to choose, you know, if I, in my opinion, the majority of the air, the town we were in was mainly Italian, but there was a little Polish section as well, but it was majority Italian. So I know I felt I felt pretty comfortable after I seen what kind of neighborhood it was and mm -hmm. walking down the street and 
you know, I'd be like trying to fit as many groceries from the store in my in the kids stroller. And uh, a couple times, one of the Italian guys had one of his kids help me get groceries home. And Montclair, uh, Steve. Uh, so it's it, it, north side. It was it was it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, they were always sitting outside on their front porches or, you know, playing cards. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting in the little deli over there playing cards, having yeah, conversations. Yeah, we were always outside on the stoops. Everybody was always, we had this huge front porch, big stoop, and everybody was always sitting out there. And you could look about two doors down and you'll see that family sitting out on their front porch. Nobody sat in the backyards. Everybody was out on the front porches. And just, how, what was the difference when we moved out here? Because for the few, first few years, I had a hard time. Yeah, the first I'm not gonna lie, I was a bastard when I moved out here. Yeah. I, and I think it's because <laughs> you were. I couldn't get rid of home. No. For me, coming out here felt like moving back to Schomburg in a sense when we first moved out here. Because the first neighborhood we lived in out here was very suburban like, even though it was a smaller town. Uh so for me it was very comfortable. But for him, it was a whole different ball of wax. Hmm. He brought his attitude with him, which he still has to this day, just not as bad. It just didn't go, it didn't go over well here, especially go. with the cops. They can't no. stand me. <laughs> Crooked D wants to know when you're going to rip on Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I had a little chat with Penguin last night, so stop it. <laughs> What do you think the violence is in Chicago from the outside? You know, when I see the news stories about Chicago and now hearing from Tia, and I've heard it from you that that does really happen. It actually, you know, it detours me from wanting to go visit it. But I guess you got to just know which part not to go to, which I that's very damn true, which is I was oblivious to. I would never have known where not to go in Chicago if it wasn't for you. I would be like, hey, let's go there. <laughs> and you'd be like, no. And yeah. Well, you talked about our attitude from Chicago. What yeah. it makes, uh, what, you know, because I know New York has their own deal. LA has theirs. But Chicago really has it embedded in the DNA of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think when we moved out here, your Italian was right out there. <laughs> it was like the Italian Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to explain the attitude like that Chicago people have compared to like where I grew up, where me, I was like happy-go-lucky, didn't really have an attitude. I learned how to have attitude, I guess you can say. It It's not in my DNA, but now I have attitude. It's like you, you learn from... Chicago people, I don't think, deal with bullshit too good. No, no, you don't. No, no. You see through the game because of how you have to survive. You do. You you, uh, you you grow up a different way. That's just like you tease me all the time because we are considered from opposite sides of the tracks, literally because there are a set of tracks and that I grew up with a silver spoon, but it wasn't me. It was my dad. Uh, and it's a different way of living. Living in Chicago is totally different than living in Schaumburg. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of life. 
Like in Schomburg, everybody acts like they're better than everybody else when I was growing up. And they're not, but that's how they act. They act like they're better than everybody else. They don't, they're not going to be like, hey, hi, how you doing? No, because they act like they stick their nose up in the air. Mm -hmm. But when we were in Chicago, it wasn't like that. It was more real. It was more real. Uh, I, it, and maybe that's it was why a different I, kind of feeling. Maybe that's why I have a hard time with a lot of people, especially those that get stupid on the Internet. It's like, really, dude, are you that fucked up in the head? You know, that's why I believe one of the biggest things is when you're wrong, you admit you're wrong. And that was yeah. taught yeah. to me big time. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'll never forget when I was, you well, you remember Coco's when I was, you know, bouncer over there and working with the guys. Yeah. The old man told me, you know, he, I did something to piss his ass off and you never piss one of them guys off. He took me in the basement of Coco's and it's no longer there. It was on Lake and 19th. And he told me to pull out my fucking wallet. And he said it just like that. And I pulled out my wallet and he said, give me your fucking ID. I gave him the ID and he turned around at me, pushed that shit in my face. And he says, the person in this photo is the only one you fucking trust. You got that. And that's kept me out of a lot of bullshit during my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when I was doing some stuff I shouldn't have been doing, that kept me out of fucking jail. Because you can't trust a lot of people in that game. No. I don't care if they're your best fucking friend. Where we come from, your best friend puts a 22 behind your ear. Mm -hmm. And I think I took that lesson with me all throughout life. It's like you when you try bullshitting me. <laughs> How quick am I to call it? Like right there. <laughs> I'll try and bullshit and you'll be like, yeah, try again. Like right after I finish my sentence, you'll be like, try again. What? And sometimes it'd be, you know, funny to you. But to me, it's a very serious deal if you try to bullshit. Me. Mm -hmm. Even though I know it's not shit. It's like useless shit. It it's still like pisses it's, me it's off. something stupid. But yeah, you'll call me out right on the moment. Uh, went to Navy school. You probably went to Great Lakes uh, just outside of Chicago. Would spend weekends exploring the city. Missed the last train back to Waukegan and asked the taxi driver to take us to a cheap motel. Bad idea. Yes, you can rent motels by the hour out here. Or in Hollywood's case, uh, two minutes a minute or two dollars a minute. Yeah, there you go. I usually only have to spend like four dollars. So how would <laughs> how would you end the show with this conversation? Did you learn anything? Yeah, I learned that you know she well Tia herself she came out of it as a stronger person, and now you know why they say if you can't make it in Chicago, if you, you and can't and make and, it and it's true. If you can't make it in Chicago, you can't make you you can make it anywhere. You can survive anything coming from Chicago. Mm -hmm. Now, do I feel like that? I didn't grow up in Chicago. I did live there, but I feel that just being with your pain in the ass, I can survive just about anything. Mm -hmm. Because when in doubt, just call Hollywood out. <laughs> there you go uh, again members only is getting pushed to tomorrow we gave you an hour and 46 uh, minutes show over here but I think it was so important because people 
see this on the news and the politicians always use it. And it's funny how the politicians are never the ones that have to grow up in these places. No, they don't live there. And so it's easy for them just to use it as a political tool. Mm -hmm. But I do know that our kids in Chicago, they need education. They need the school system to be better for them. They need those activities. If you grow up in uh, a city, a big city, activities is what's going to keep you out of prison. Because when you're poor... And you knew how dirt poor I was. Mm -hmm. The only thing you had was the streets to make it. You looked up to all the guys. You know, thank God it was Italians for me. You looked up to them with their cars, their money. And that's the only out you had out of that kind of life. Mm -hmm. And when you have 13-year-old kids seeing... You know, with the dealer on the corner with an Escalade all pumped up, They're gonna that's want, what they that's, want. That's what they want. And like Tia said, you got to give opportunities. You got to give them the education to know that you can be a doctor. You can be a pilot. You got to always let them know there is more out there. And, you know, when you're a kid, let them be a kid. Don't make them grow up too soon. Yeah, don't make them grow up too soon like this society is doing to these babies right now. Mm-hmm. Don't let it happen. Anyway, uh, appreciate all the uh, support that you give this show. As always, again, members only will be tomorrow. And uh, we're actually going to be talking about Sturges, man. That Bud Light freaking tent was empty. And it looks like uh, the boycott is working. Anheuser-Busch is going down the drain. They're selling off seven companies right now. And we're going to talk about how the bikers are really leading the way in all that boycott. But uh, we'll check you out tomorrow. Rock on, baby. Great show. I said goodbye. Vamoose. Adios. Ciao. So long. Get your hat jack. Number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode.